by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. On today's program, we're going to be playing part of a sermon that my dad recently preached here in our church where he talked about the uh, six rounds of chemo that my mother recently went through as she was being treated for lymphoma. And thankfully, uh, during that chemo, uh, God used that medicine to heal my mother and the lymphoma is completely gone from her body, and she is recovering well now from, uh, from the treatment that she has gone through. We would certainly appreciate your prayers that her immune system would build up and get stronger and stronger, and that she would soon be able to return to normal activities. But in the sermon that we're going to play today, my dad shares what it was like from his perspective to watch my mom go through what she went through. And of course, he was right there with her every step of the way. And so he's just going to share today from a, from a husband's perspective what it was like to see his wife go through such a difficult time. And so today as you listen, I pray that what he shares will be a blessing to you and whatever it is that you or your family might be going through at this time. I think you know the verse, Call unto me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Now, if you don't know that verse, I encourage you to learn it. And actually, it's one of the verses in the little Dottie's Healing Verse packet. And on May the 2nd, we sat down in our living room. And, of course, we didn't have the packet. We had what she had put together. And we did that very verse. It's an interesting verse. It's in Psalm chapter 50, verse 15. Call upon the Lord in times of trouble. He will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Actually, there are three parts to that verse. Two of those parts, it's God's job. And one one of those parts is God's job. Two of those parts is our job. Call upon me in the day of trouble. That's our job. God says, I will deliver you. That's his job. And then it says, and you shall glorify me. Now, that's our job. And this morning, that is what my heart wants to do. And what I'm going to do this morning, what I'm going to share, what I'm going to show you in the Bible, I'm doing all of this simply for one reason, and that is to glorify what God has done, not only in our life, but in so many lives. And of course, uh, the first Sunday in November, uh, God willing, Dottie will be here, and in both morning services, she will do what I'm trying to do this morning, and she'll do it in the first person for her, and this morning, I'm doing it in the first person for me, and I want us to understand that before I get into it, because I'm going to share some very personal things, and the things that I'm sharing God has shown me in what we've been through may or may not be the things God has shown Dottie and John and Joel, or they will may be. Well, they've shown them things they've not shown me. I just want to share from my heart and from God's Word what I have learned about God in a deeper way and about myself in a deeper way during these past 
five months. Now, brief background in case you are a visitor this morning, or maybe you've been out for a while. On Thursday, May the 2nd, we learned that Dottie had a large mass on her kidney that was lymphoma. Now, that's what we learned on that Thursday afternoon. And as we got that news and then we began to process what we need to do next, uh, I learned some things. And I was about to learn some more things. And so if you take your bulletin this morning and open it up, I'm going to just kind of jump into some of these things that I've learned and take your Bible. And maybe if you'll open it to the book of James is where I'm going to begin this morning. Then we'll turn back a couple of pages in the book of Hebrews. But the fact of the matter is in this little five-month journey, uh, I have learned some things. Time won't let me share everything I have learned, and I'm sure I'm not through learning but I'll share what I have time to share. And I think you can take it, apply it, and I think it can be a blessing to you. And I think, in fact, I know it can glorify God. One of the things that I have learned, and I wish you'd jot this down very quickly, I've learned that in a new way, things can come into your life that you had not expected. Now, on that Thursday, May the 2nd, before we learned what the situation was, normally all these years, it's never worked 100%, but I've tried always to take Thursday off. Now, I've shifted that for various reasons, but be that as it may, that's just been kind of a day that Dottie and I have scheduled to do things that we needed to do. Now, she needed to have some tests that her urologist wanted her to have he said, I can't imagine there being a problem. We did these same tests a little less than two years ago, but I think we need to change a medication. And to do that, I really want us to do these tests again. And so we really, that morning we got up, the test was going to be at two o'clock starting the afternoon, going to be two tests. And she could not eat before the test. So but now I could eat before the test. So I enjoyed my breakfast, enjoyed my lunch. And a uh, little bit uh, after maybe uh, close to one o'clock, we began our journey to downtown to Richmond where the uh, facility was where we were going to go. We'd been there numbers of times over these years. And as we were going down 45 or going toward town, uh, we were talking about things we were going to do after the test. And the, the big agenda thing was where we would be eating dinner. She said, look, I'm going to be hungry. And I, we, we need to talk about where we're going to eat after these tests are over. And she named where she wanted to go. Well, I suggested another place that I thought would really be a, a good place. Now, I must say her place was a little nicer than the place I had suggested. I was trying to push for my favorite hamburger place in Houston. Uh, if I told you the name, you'd be very disappointed. I mean, it's an old mom and pop place. It's like it used to be. It's like back when, like where Fonzie used to eat, if you go back to those days. Well, Dottie had this other place. Now, it wasn't a five-star restaurant, but it was a, and I liked that restaurant, but we kind of couldn't agree on it. Do any of you ever have that problem? Well, Dottie, she's a wise woman. She said, look, I'm the one going through these tests. I feel like I should have a say so in this. I mean, how do you, how do you win against a deal like that? So I ditched the 
little hamburger joint that I wanted to go. <laughs> I said, that's fine. And then we began to talk about some other things we were going to do after the test. Well, we get to the place and uh, you go to one place to have one test and, you know, you fill out the papers and she went back. That test was a very brief test. Then she comes back out and, and we have to go around to another part of that facility to have test two. Now, test two is a little bit more involved, but again, we had to fill out a little paperwork over there and it was now getting up close to four o'clock in the afternoon. And actually, when we got to that area, there, were, there was nobody else in the waiting room. Uh, the doctor, I saw him, he kind of waved, but uh, he was going to be her last person that day to do a test. And so I'm in the waiting room. I'd taken some materials along to read because I knew that test took uh, about an hour plus. So I'm out in the waiting room and she's back there having this test. Well, in about an hour, this nurse comes out and said to me, uh, you need to come back. The doctor needs to talk to you. Well, I knew then things were not what we had thought they'd be, what we had anticipated. And so I gather up my stuff and go back. And when I go into this area where the test actually was done, the only two people in the room at this point, the nurse disappeared, was the doctor and Dottie. And they were staring at a screen. And I just sat down on a stool. And, 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 and nobody said anything for a moment or two. And then the doctor said, I am surprised at what we found here. He said, if you look on the screen, I'll show it to you. There's a large mass on one of her kidneys. I think it is lymphoma, but there'll have to be a biopsy to be certain about that. But we need to get her to a doctor, a lymphoma doctor, and find out about this situation. That's on a Thursday. Well, you know, that's the last thing in the world we had anticipated. And like, that was just, there just wasn't much else said at that moment. And I thought about this verse in James. It just came to my mind. I want you to look with me. In James chapter number four, uh, in verse 13, I'm going to show you in a moment what part came to my mind. But in verse 13, the Bible says, come now you who say today and tomorrow, we will go do such and such in this city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. And then here's the part that just, it just came. It's just like I could just see it going across my mind. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. How true that is for everybody. None of us do. We think we do. We have it all planned out. You know, we, we know things happen, and, but they happen to other people. But the fact of the matter is, that's not the way it works. And so that little verse came to my mind. And as, as, I, as I pondered that, I thought, well, how true that is. But, of course, God knows. Well, let me mention a second thing that I've learned in this little journey that we have been through these past five months. This has been, this has been a very painful part to me, this part. I've learned a deeper understanding about the chastening of the Lord. And I wish you'd feel this in in your bulletin. Because the last thing was on my mind that afternoon, May 2nd, was the chastening of the Lord. But then as we've journeyed through this thing, I've seen how God has used this to teach me, 
to, uh, to discipline me and to show me things that I needed to see that truthfully some of which I had not seen as I should have. Now, if you'll turn back in your Bible a page or two, probably, you'll be in the book of Hebrews. And if you'll turn to chapter number 12, which is the classic portion of Scripture about the chastening of the Lord. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse number 5, the writer to Hebrews, he's writing to Jewish believers, those who have left Judaism, they've turned to uh, following Christ to, to Christianity, and they're beginning to think about going back to their old ways and old rituals, and he's writing them to encourage them. And in verse 5, he says, have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? That's actually a question. And he's going to mention to them, he's going to write to them uh, some Old Testament scripture from Proverbs chapter 3 that they would have been very familiar, but probably they had not thought about applying it to their own life. You know, that's so true from most all of us. We know certain scriptures. We, we hear them read. We read them ourselves. But yet somehow we, we don't make the next step to apply them to their life. So he's asking them, he said, do, do, do you not remember this? It says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. In other words, you're not really believers, what he's saying. Furthermore, as we have uh, bad human fathers who corrected us and we pay them respect, shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but God for our profit, for we, uh, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, verse 11, so important. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That is a classic portion of Scripture that I want us to think about in our moments together. Now, this word chastening, it, 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 it's a very, very interesting word, and it's a very, very misunderstood word. Uh, paideia is the Greek word, and it, it is translated into our English Bibles in the English word as chastening, or in other translations as discipline, and either would be a very good translation. The real idea of the word and the understanding of the word, it was used in the day in which it was inspired by God uh, for education and instruction of a child. So the readers, when they saw that word, paideia, they knew what that word meant. It, it referred to the, to the education process and the instruction process of teaching a child. And of course, we're all children, God is our heavenly father. And so 
it, it, it's this idea, if, if I had to put it in two words, it's like in enforced learning. When you see the word chastening in this context or translated discipline, it, it, it's the idea of enforced learning. Now, here's something very, very important. We misunderstand many times. It, it does not mean that God is paying us back for things we've done or things we have not that we should have. That's not it at all. I want you to put something, your bulletin or whatever, where you are here. But I want you to turn back with me to the book of Psalms, to Psalm 103. What I'm going to show you is worth your having gotten up this morning and gotten dressed and coming to church. Many people really live a defeated life for they do not understand this. And then when things happen that are not good things, they begin to think, well, this is, you know, God's paying me back for what I did. God's dealing with me according to my sins. Now look with me in Psalm 103 in verse number 10. The Bible says, he, that is God, has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Now, true it is, there are consequences to sin. We all understand that. But untrue it is that everything that happens in our life is a payback from God because back there we did this or over there we did that. First of all, that is a complete misunderstanding of the nature of God. But there are many sincere people, many sincere Christian people that really struggle at this point. And over these many years being a pastor, I've dealt with that. Bad things will happen to people, and they, they'll come, and they'll share their heart, and they'll say, Pastor, I, I, think, I think what happened is back yonder I did this. Folks, whatever we've done back yonder, if we put it under the blood of Jesus, it's all washed away. Could I have an amen to that? So don't let the devil make you believe that. Now, at the very same time, don't ever think there aren't consequences to sin. But the chastening of the Lord has nothing to do with that. The chastening of the Lord is a teaching tool that God uses to enforce learning. And it's a very interesting thing. If you go back to our scripture in Hebrews, oftentimes it's very, very painful. Look back in verse 11. It says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Indeed, it can be very, very painful. And in a moment, I'm going to share in a very personal way how for me in some areas it's been very, very painful. But it's been a good thing for me, even though a very painful thing. Now, there are essentially three kinds of chastening. I'm going to, I'm going to name them, and you may want to jot them down. Uh, there's no blank to fill in, but there's space to write. I'll only deal with two of them. The third one would require sermon itself. First of all, there is internal chastening, just internal chastening. And what that means is it is where God uses his word to enforce learning, to teach us, to instruct us, to discipline us. You've read Bible verses before. You've heard Bible verses explained before, and it's just like that verse jumps up off the page and jumps into you and think, man, that's, you need to deal with that. Perhaps in the area of forgiveness, 
You, you, you struggle with that. And then you read about what the Bible has to say. And then one day somehow the Holy Spirit will apply that to you. And that, that is internal chastening coming from the Word of God, primarily from His Word, but sometimes a rhema where the Spirit of God will just speak to your spirit about some area of your life that is not measuring up to what God teaches in his written word. That is internal chastening. Now, the second kind of chastening is external chastening. You say, well, what is external chastening? That, is, that involves the circumstances of life of which you have no control. You have no control. Things happen. And whether you understand them, don't explain them, whatever, it doesn't matter. You you have no control. Many times, those things God will use as a learning tool, as a teaching tool, as a discipline tool to help you get your life Many times, first of all, to show you your life is not measuring up as Word of God teaches. Now you say, what is the third kind of chastening? Well, I don't have time to go into it, but you can write it down. It's terminal chastening. I need to sometimes just preach a whole sermon on that. that that's a, it has tremendous scripture to go with it, but I deal, I deal not with it this morning. Now listen to me very carefully. During these past five months... <clears throat> God has used internal chastening and external chastening to teach me, to show me things first about him and second about myself that has been very painful. Some of it I would have been very unaware. I'm going to illustrate quickly in a moment. You see, externally, like there's, when we found out what Dottie had, and then, then we had to have a bone marrow, and then we had to have biopsy, like, and we had to have other tests. So there's a lot involved in ever getting to the bottom of the thing. Like I had no control over any of that, nothing. And as you well know, if it's, if it's your spouse or your child or your loved one and they're going through some tough stuff, you just want to kind of fix it. That's my nature. I'm Mr. Fix-It. But let me tell you, I've been in a deal I couldn't fix at all. And I've learned some things very painful in that about me. And then the Word of God. Now, now let me illustrate what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm talking about from His Word. For example, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. I can say them backwards. I've known them. I'm 78. I learned those at 7. I've known him a lot of years. I'm going to be honest. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If I ask you, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, if you think you trust God with all your heart, all of us would say, I know I do. I would have raised both of mine. Let me tell you something. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not unto your own understanding. When I saw what Dottie was into, I thought to myself, man, I don't understand this deal. Why her? Why her? Well, we're going to stop right there for today. And maybe that's the question that you're asking. Why, God? Why me? Why her? Why him? Why us? Why are we going through whatever it is that you might be going through right now? And I wish more than anything that I could sit here and give you a clear answer to that question, but I can't do that. But one thing I can encourage you to do is in the midst of not knowing why, to trust the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And I know that's an easy verse to quote, and it's a lot easier said than done. But I would encourage you today as best as you can, trust God and let Him walk you through this difficult time.